Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? Kel Strauss and Megan Murray here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. Happy Friday, everybody. We, um, we're we playing the gosh darn Niners this week, and I'm a little nervous about it. So we brought on our bestie, John Mishoda, to, uh, you know, I don't even think he'll make us feel better, but we'll commiserate together. John, do you want a walkout song? since you are that ingrained in this podcast, like <laughs> I don't edit at all, but I'm willing to like give you a walkout song. It's like, that's my best friend. <laughs> like, I'll do that for you. You just say the word. Uh, no, I'm good. It's funny though. Cause I've done some radio uh, interviews before where, you know, they ask you to, you know, can you come on this station at whatever time? And uh, there's a couple of times where they've asked me right before I was about to go on. They're like, Hey, uh, we usually play our guests in with a song. What what song do you want to pick or whatever like that? I'm like, man, on the fly like this, I really don't know. But yeah, <laughs> I like that. I feel like it would have to be like Eminem or something. Oh, old Detroit energy. Yeah, a lot of people say that, and that I mean that is a good one. Don't get me wrong. I just uh, I usually go with the Who, uh, Babbo O'Reilly, because I just have always really liked that song. It's like that teenage wasteland song. I just yeah. think the intro to that is that's the song that I would play if I was a. Uh, major league baseball player and when i came up to bat i always play that but no anything eminem is great too for sure <laughs> i feel like i don't have a walkout song and i need to probably figure one out like yeah you better work on that and circle back with us when you when you have one and then we'll judge you on it well we already decided that i'm just gonna be making a lot of decisions on the fly today so yeah. you know Come up with I think one. we can all guess what mine would be so i don't even need to worry about it Yours no i want to know swift. What, what taylor swift song would it be yeah Today I'm feeling new romantics. You know, oh, 89 energy. I was gonna say like anti-hero because I just feel like not that you are Look, that to me. But I like, am the problem. It you. is me. <laughs> I do feel like you like to vibe to that. So like I, just, I do. That might be what I would recommend. John, there was a there was like a widget or whatever in <clears throat> Spotify where it like took all your data and was like, these are, you like told them what your favorite albums were like the first, like the top five. And then they were like, actually, these are your top five. <laughs> and and what were they? Midnight's, while it might be new was my number one. So if you, you want to know how much I've played that album to death, um, that would, that would be it. <laughs> all right. So you won't, you probably won't remember this, but when I met up with you guys at that bar to watch one of those U S soccer games, remember Claudia was there. She oh, that was me Skelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She showed me how to do that on my phone. And I remember being super nervous, like, oh, no, what's going to pop up here or whatever. <laughs> it was like three out of the top five were 
Beatles songs, which I'm fine with, but I wouldn't think of those as being my top five favorite songs. But it was I was <laughs> nervous what was gonna show up. Taylor specific, to be fair. Okay, okay. But um yeah, I I'm sure I'd I'd have some weird stuff up there. I listened to like a lot of nineties uh, and two the early two thousands like hip hop and pop. So like Love it. Like Mandy Moore on there or something like oh Simpson. <laughs> you know, little Nelly. I'm missing you like candy. <laughs> God, that Nelly. just brought me back. <laughs> oh yeah, of course Nelly. Like let's be real. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I don't even care because I just am too old to have shame anymore. My first car was a night. It was a two. It was a 1996 Toyota Camry with a little spoiler on the back, and I thought it was like really cool because I got a little radio, you know, like the custom radios you can get where it like popped on and popped off like the face would. And Mm -hmm. so Nelly obviously was really big when I was in high school. I'm 33 years old right now. And I being the OG white kid that I was thought it would be super cool to drive around with my windows down. And I put tinfoil on my teeth for his grill song. And I would like slam on my brakes. <laughs> in my like oh no in my like golf course neighborhood in overland park kansas in, in overland park kansas good god listen I mean, you had me until the tinfoil <laughs> at least you didn't like do the tape too or like the band-aid like you got to let him have his own swag <laughs> i i was like really trying it i was like can i be cool and spoiler a lot alert the answer is a resounding no so um, here we are speaking to you all <laughs> and just completely admitting all of my transgressions as a 14-year-old idiot. 14-year-old <laughs> in your car? Come on. Oh, actually, yeah. In Kansas, you have your tractor's license. Come on. You know this. Oh, God. Bro, I, you know what? I don't think I, I remembered that until right now. Yeah. I drove to St. Louis the week I got my car at 14 years old um, to go see John Mayer. So highly illegal. but. Nonetheless, anyways, if you're in Kansas and Missouri, there's really no laws. I don't think there are none. There are none. Flyover states, baby. Reel it back in, Charles. Okay, so um, not even close to the topics that we are going to be discussing today. Wow. I just wanted to feel a sense of joy before we talked about the Niners. That's, all. That's actually super valid. So let's discuss. Obviously, this past weekend. A uh, really big game for the team. I think that it was a much needed moral victory. Listen, anytime you're going to go in and I'll still say this, like I realize that the Patriots are not the same team they were, you know, five, six years ago, but I will hand over a solid golden moral victory uh, little trophy. Anytime that you beat Bill Belichick, I don't care. Like I will give you your due where, when it comes to that. So I feel like this team has, been able to regroup after what was a tough game the week before. And, you know, now they're going into, this is a renewed rivalry the past couple of years. Let's face it. This rivalry is back and bigger than ever. And it is feeling like it's becoming equally as uh, tenuous as it used to be in the nineties. So um, John, I mean, you've been in the facility, you're getting the vibes. How do you feel like this team is feeling going into this big West Coast game this upcoming weekend? Well, okay, so you mentioned that Patriots game. So I will point out one thing that kind of bothers me about how people love to move the goalposts. Like, 
yeah, Patriots aren't very good. Uh, how come the other teams that they played didn't beat them that badly? They played the <laughs> Dolphins. They, they played the Eagles. Well, how come they didn't beat them by 35? So that is funny to me. Uh, I've noticed that too with the Jets game. You know, it's just like, oh, those teams are awful now. Well, then how come the other teams aren't beating them that badly? Uh, now, of course, the Cowboys, uh, they don't necessarily deserve the benefit of the doubt because of that Arizona game, that was inexcusable. Uh, but that's why what's so great about, and this is why I will always cover the NFL. And it's because there are just, there's a number of games that makes just about everyone really important. And so because of that, this game is one I've been looking forward to ever since the schedule came out, because I think this is a great test early in the season to know exactly where this Cowboys team is at. You know, if they opened against the Niners or let's say they played them in the second or maybe even third week, there's a part of maybe like, well, you really still don't know where they are offensively with Mike McCarthy calling plays. Like, nah, you got a good feel right now. It's fifth game. This will be a good test. You lose. It's not like it ruins your season or anything, but at least let you know where you're at. And so that's why I kind of, I, I look at this game like I expect it to be very close, um, but I, I don't look like, I think the Niners are the best team in the NFL right now. And I, I think that they're better than the Cowboys and they're playing in San Francisco. So absolutely. I think the Niners should win this game, but if the Cowboys play as well as they did in their three wins, they will be right there and they'll have every chance in the world to win this game too. So um, obviously the San Francisco 49ers are the toughest team that they've played up to this point and might be the toughest team they play all season, but it's going to be a game. This is not going to be a blowout. I don't like Yeah, that. I mean, <laughs> I think I, I agree on that sentiment. Like it's not one of those, like if they lose, I'm not going to say the sky is falling or anything like that. Um, it's just kind of when we're going into this matchup, um, just go going based off of offense alone. Um, and you probably have a little more um, insight on this, so you'll have to let me know, but it just seems like some of the play calling and that's, you know, Mike McCarthy's he's not new to play calling, but he is new to doing it with the Cowboys. Um, it just seems a little soft. Yeah. Um, do you th- expect us to, you know, maybe dial it up a notch or like, I don't, I wouldn't say like, I believe that they were holding something back, but you know, is there anything to that? Like, what are we going to get a little saucy this le- this week? Like, what's the what's that? Yeah, I I think so. Just because of the fact that three out of those four games that they've played so far, they haven't had to show everything, and there's makes no sense to be showing certain things if you don't need them in games. And so, while I was hoping to see a little bit more against the Cardinals, um, it's tough to get to some of that stuff when you don't have Tyron Smith and Zach Martin on your offensive line. There's just certain things that you can't get to um, because, you know, your offensive line isn't what you're, you were hoping it was going to be going into the game. And so uh, it certainly looks like Zach will be able to play in this game. Tyron Smith is still, it's still too early to tell. If I had to say right now, I'm, I'd be leaning towards, no, I don't think he'll play in this game. Um, but I, but I think it's much closer to 50 50 now than it has been the, the previous few weeks. So um, if they were to have that full starting offensive line, I think you would see them completely open up everything. But it, but this is a big game that they know it too. They're not even trying to downplay it. So I would expect to see more out of this game, whether, whether that be more Brandon Cooks down the field that we haven't really seen yet, which we saw in training camp, uh, maybe Dak running the ball a little bit more in the red zone, things like that I could see coming out in this game. What would be interesting to me is that like the number one thing I'm looking forward to is just seeing how Dak Prescott plays in this game. Um, 
just because this is such a big test for him. He knows it. Uh, you know, he, he's been a little chippy uh, recently uh, with the media. So you can tell he he's real fired up about this opportunity. He knows how big of a test this is for him. You know, he didn't have Tony Pollard in that second half of that when they played San Francisco the first or last year, January. Uh, and now you have Brandon Cooks, Dax Healthy. This, this is a great test for him. What I'm also interested in seeing is that when the Cowboys have been up, that's when they bring in the Hunter Lipkeys and they utilize the Cavante Turpins and the Deuce Vaughns. But when they, in the Arizona game, you didn't see much of that. And I think this game's going to be much more like the Arizona game where it's going to be close. So do they even get to any of that? Or is it all going to be about CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup and Cooks and Jake Ferguson and Tony Pollard and Jalen Tolbert? And I'm fine with that either way. But if if we come out of this game not seeing more from the offense, that'll be a little disheartening just because I feel like they haven't had to show everything. In fact, I know they haven't shown everything um, that, they, that they do have uh, in their bag. Yeah, so I actually kind of want to touch on that for a minute. I know you said that you would be fine either way, but I, I want to. I want to actually peer pressure you to play armchair quarterback for a minute. And you mentioned, you know, the Hunter Lipke and they got a little creative when they needed to, you know, it was what seven straight red zone visits and they, he was the first to score a touchdown and break the drought, which I think, you know, I'm not sure that the, the fan base, their fears are quelled by the fact that they did a little bit better. Right. And like you mentioned, perspective wise, Patriots are not the Patriots that they used to be like it's just like asking thinking that the Bills are the team they used to be in the early 2000s like it's an obviously way different team now so are you thinking if you had to choose would you like them to be more aggressive or are you feeling like hey I'm not going to sound the alarms yet but at the same time you know we've talked about this for weeks now this is easily one of the best stacked offensive teams ever for the Cowboys in recent years, but also in the league. And so for them to not be as productive with the weapons they have, why wouldn't they start to mix in some things that, you know, might be different than the things that aren't working? Well, I will say this, this is the type of game where I don't think that you have to do a lot of stuff that's outside of like your norm. I do think that with the weapons they have, they can do, they can get it done without doing anything too crazy to try and just, you know, cause for example, like we'll let the season play out. We'll see what Arizona is at the end. But to me, Arizona is a little bit of a, uh, you see more of that type of play in college football where, you know, it's not, it's not your prototypical NFL style. They're doing a lot more running quarterback things, a lot more things that kind of keep you on the edge where, Hey, some teams they'll, they'll dominate that. And then other weeks it's like, I don't think the Cowboys are really ready for that. They came out and they didn't look like they were really that ready for that. They didn't look like the typical defense we've seen them be. And so I think that that was a little bit of a curveball there. There won't be any curveballs with this 49ers team. Both these teams know each other so well. So because of that, I don't think you have to do anything wild, but the, the you don't also want to do anything too crazy because you just turn the ball over once. And that can be the, the difference in this game because these two teams great at taking the ball away. Don't really turn it over at all. And so you, that could be the difference in this game. That's why I think how this game plays out is that the Cowboys have been great. Like all the, all the concern about the red zone, the Cowboys have moved the ball up and down the field. They they've had more 10 plus play drives than, than anybody in the league. Um, and so I don't think there's going to be like that in this game. I don't think that they're going to have these long drives. So what's going to, I believe will happen is 
they will have a bunch of three and outs or some possessions maybe where they only get one first down. But I think there will be two, three, maybe four drives where they put something good together. And when they have those drives, they have to score touchdowns on those because you will not get, you will not be this Niners team with 17 points. You will not be this Niners team with 13 points. You're going to probably need three offensive touchdowns and you're not going to get a lot of opportunities. So when you are down there, you got to score touchdowns down there. That will be the difference in this game. You know, it's like anytime you've watched a really good team play, um, I'm trying to think of an example that will fit for you guys here. Uh, Kelsey, you like Texas, right? Texas, Texas, yeah. So <laughs> I'll be not necessarily this year as much, but let's say in previous years when they were playing Alabama, and if they got in the red zone, they can't settle for field goals. If you're not going to knock off big bad number one Alabama, you can't settle for red red zone field goals. You just can't. They're too good. You have to score touchdowns when you're down there. That's how this game will be. You will not be able to settle for field goals and beat this team. The only way that I see that that would be the path is if you got like three or four takeaways on defense and this team just, they only have, they've only turned the ball over once this year. So this is not a team that's probably going to turn the ball over very much in San Francisco. So you're going to have to be patient and, but you're going to have those opportunities. And when you do, you just have to capitalize. You can't be selling for field goals and they know that. And that's why I think that they'll face a couple of situations where they're in field goal range. And, and most people will say, take the field goal and they'll go for it on fourth down. Cause they know field goals won't win this game. As the resident special teams expert and number one fan i am devastated by this news <laughs> and i hope you can sense the heavy heavy sarcasm in my voice today but i mean i think you bring up a really good point like i i also do you genuinely trust that they will make that decision because again like i can't help but be but speak for all the scorned Cowboys fans of years past where it's like, well, we got to go out and be aggressive and they feed you all this talk and like, yes, here's what we're going to do. We know this, we know that. And then you get to the game time and you're like, what are we doing? Like you knew what you had to do. Do you genuinely believe that's part of their game plan? Like genuinely. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do. Now that doesn't mean that unless they convert on those plays, but I do think that they will be aggressive um, because they just, they have to be. And also it's, I don't know, it's early in the season. So if you lose the game, it's not like, I don't know, it doesn't really change the way I feel about the team or the way that I think they would feel about themselves, but it is a little bit of a preview of what most expected to be, uh, you know, a matchup again in the postseason. So uh, it, it's, it's tough because I understand that if they lose, there'll be a lot of people talking about, well, we're just not good enough. And this isn't a team that can get to the Super Bowl, but, Again, it's only week five. There's a lot that happens between now and the playoffs. And the number one thing is is health. You know, these teams, what they'll be in that game probably won't be the same thing if they they face each other in playoffs. There's just going to be injuries. It just, I mean, it happens every week. So, uh, but it just will be a great test. We'll we'll find out a lot about this team. I have no questions about the Cowboys defense. I have, I want to see more from the offense, just like most people do. So that's this is going to be a great test for that. You're going to get to see a lot more about what this offense is. And so that to me is what will be the most fascinating thing. I was going to say, yeah, they are making it down to the red zone, but what do you think is like the thing that's holding them back? you think it's the play calling exclusively, or is it like just the fact that you don't have your, you know, complete O-line or are these like, cause it just seems like no one's open. Um, is it, you know, maybe that Brandon Cooks was not there for a week or something like that? What do you feel like is the biggest glaring issue when they do get down down there? 
Uh, I think number one would be offensive line health. I really feel like if you had that starting five, which it's crazy to say this, but you got to go all the way back to that Niners game two years ago in the playoffs. The one where at the end of the game, the ref couldn't spot the ball. They couldn't get the final playoff. People started throwing stuff at the refs. That's the last time the Cowboys have had their best five starting. They never had it all last season because Tyron Smith was hurt. And then when Tyron Smith came back, Terrence Steele was out. And then they haven't had it all this year. So it's been a while. So that would be number one for me. Number two is um, they've had, they've had, I don't think it's play calling. I really don't. Cause there's been some plays where, you know, there's been a Jake Ferguson drop. There's been a Peyton Henderson drop. There was the Luke Schoonmaker drop last week. Um, there's that play last week on the very opening series where Tony Pollard cuts the wrong way. And so him and Dak run into each other and that should have been an easy Tony Pollard score. Um, uh, there's one play, uh, I think it was in the home opener where Dak looked for Jake Ferguson in the back end zone. And basically it, it, it was, the throw was too high, but on the opposite side, he had CD lamb wide open. And so I don't think it's a play calling. I think it's maybe getting comfortable in this offense and then getting comfortable with who you have protecting up front. But I just can't sit there and think it's play calling when they're just moving up and down the field. And then they're just having those issues in the red zone. And it was a team that has players that were on the best red zone offense last year. So, um, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of blame to go around, but I feel like if you had that starting offensive line, I think they would be fine. And I also think the longer that they play together in this system, uh, the more that things will click there. I just, they move the ball too well. They're too, I mean, they're, they're outstanding on third down their best team in the NFL on third down. It's, it's just, it's weird to have be good in those areas, but then you're not going to be good in the red zone. I just don't think that that'll, that'll remain the case. Let's talk defense though, because ah. that's, that's a little exciting. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Um, I mean, you did mention they've only had what one turnover. Or yeah. Niners, yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you, who could you see like potentially getting one on the Dallas defense? Besides mm. Mike Parsons. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's I the see goal him causing it, but like, who's going to yeah. get the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I mean, for me, like the best recipe for the Cowboys to win this game is to get an early lead and make the Niners have to throw the ball with Brock Purdy. I mean, I think Brock Purdy's a good player, but you would rather live with Brock Purdy trying to beat you throwing with the way this Cowboys defense is with the ball hawks they have on the back end and the pass rush they have. You would much rather have that than the Niners have a lead and then they're just handing it off to Christian McCaffrey, mixing in, uh, you know, a handoff to Debo Samuel that he takes for 50 yards, like little things like that, that really like the Arizona game where things just got out of hand. So you'd like to see if if you're a Cowboys fan, them get a lead early. That's when this team, I think, is at its best. And that's the way it's yeah. set up for. So if I was going to say someone to get a takeaway. um. I'm not going to go with Micah because it's kind of obvious one and two. I just think he's going to see a lot of attention. It's going to be one of those games where uh, it's going to be tough sledding for him, but that's going to open it up for other people. So I would say I would look to the middle of the defense. I would think like an Osa Digizua, possibly getting through on a sack strip fumble type thing like that. I think that that's a decent possibility against this Niners offensive line. And also there's the chance of a tip tip pass that ends up being picked off by, you know, Bland or Gilmore, something like that, or J Ron curse, maybe on a, on a pass to George Kittle or something. Uh, I, I think that's where I see the most likely, but at the same time, if you told me that they were going to take the ball away a bunch last week, 
I don't think I would have had I I think I would list off 10 scenarios before I got to Dante Fowler strip sack Leighton Vander Esch touch I mean Dante Fowler's a good player but he hasn't had a lot of those type of plays with the Cowboys and then I mean, Leighton Vander Esch has, has said it right after he goes, that's the first touchdown he's had since high school. So that whole scenario is, but they have so many playmakers on defense that it can come from so many different areas. So I actually, um, you talk about difference makers and I want to get your thoughts on a potential scenario where someone who isn't going to see playing time could actually make a pretty significant impact. And I think you know where I'm going with this, obviously with Trey Lance and being that, you know, not only was he on the 49ers for several years, we talked a lot about how Ezekiel Elliott and blah, 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 could, you know, they had to switch up their signals because he could, you know, help scout and blah, blah, blah. And obviously that didn't do too much. But I would have to imagine a guy like a Trey Lance who's sitting in the quarterback room where you are literally captaining an offense, whether or not he was playing has to have a pretty good understanding of the scope of what this team could offer from a 49ers perspective. Do you feel like this Cowboys team is going to lean heavily into that knowledge? Do you feel like it will be impactful? He could be impactful. And do you think he could be like a secret dark horse weapon for this Cowboys team? So I will say it it would help more in the Ezekiel Elliott, Will Greer side of things, just because the Cowboys don't play the Patriots all the time. Because the Cowboys just played the Niners in January, and there are so many still pieces that are still there on both sides. I, I just think that he'll help for sure. They'll definitely, you know, be able to pick his brain on certain things. But I I just feel like both these teams know each other so well because they've played each other so recently. Um, in such a closely, you know, contested game. And there's just so many of the same people there, you know? Uh, I mean, there's been some, some changes, but there's not going to be a lot of mystery between these two teams. They know each other very well. And that's why, like, it's pretty simple to me that the only way that this game would get out of hand for the Cowboys is if there was this lack of effort or lack of energy, particularly on defense, like we saw early in that Cardinals game. But I felt like that team just slept on the Cardinals and understandably so as a just a human being. You're not going to, I'm sorry, you're just not going to take all 17 games the same. You're just not. But you you wish that didn't happen, but there's just no chance I see them sleeping on this Niners team. They know everything that they want to do. And yeah, it's easier said than done to stop them because they have so many weapons. But I don't think that they'll have to lean on Trey Lance too much for that type of stuff just because of, you know, there's not going to, I mean, one of the biggest things is, as I look at like, okay, say the Niners offense, the Niners offense is, is run by Kyle Shanahan. The Cowboys defense is run by Dan Quinn. I mean, there's probably not two people in the NFL that know each other better than them two, just from their time being together on the Falcon. So um, they just, both these sides know each other so well. So I don't think it'll be as much of an impact. And then also there is the factor of how much did Will Greer and Ezekiel Elliott know in that offense really helped out on uh, Sunday. Not much. It really didn't help at all. <laughs> Listen, it would be a fun clickbait headline. And I feel oh, like for sure. if it hasn't been used already, like you're welcome to whoever is whatever blogger is listening, like go ahead and steal it, take it. Like it is yours to use my friend. Okay. Well here, I'll tell you a Trey Lance story real quick. So, okay. So last <laughs> week I'm, I'm in the locker room. And so it had been a month since they signed Trey Lance. And I was like, hey, super nice guy. He's always in the locker room. Um, and so me and Todd Archer, uh, well, I had asked Mike McCarthy about what Lance has been doing. Cause we don't get to see more than the first 10 minutes of practice and you know how they've tried to catch him up with stuff. And 
So I saw him in the locker room and, and Todd Archer was like, well, I'm going to go up and talk to him, you know, whatever. And so we go up and talk to him and then a bunch of other, you know, reporters get around and then all of a sudden all the cameras come in that. And so we're wrapping up and we leave. And I was asked after by another media member, like, were you guys asking him about like how he could potentially help in the red zone? And I was like, Oh my God, I hope that people really did not think that's why we were going up to him. I was just going up to him to just get an update of what he's been doing. Like, I understand that there are a lot of fans that think that like he could help in that area and all that, but I'm telling you, like there really aren't expectations for Trey Lance to be much of a factor at all this season. I would, well, I was kind of like sunbite. I was like, no, I, I don't think that. And I don't think anybody else should think that. I think the pieces are all here for them to be fine in the red zone. I don't, I, I just, he's at such a square one of learning this offense and stuff. I was just trying to get an update on like, Hey, so like, what have, what have you been able to do in practice? I've seen him throwing before games with Scott Tolzien, the quarterback coach. Like, I mean, I, I just, if Trey Lance was able to help you out in any way, like you look at that as like a bonus, you shouldn't even factor that in as to being something that I understand it's a big storyline for this week because it's the Niners, but like, this is not like the Chicago bears where you're just throwing stuff at a wall. Cause you're just trying to help, hope that you can get a win or something like the Cowboys have more than enough talent to, to get it done in the red zone. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think that looking towards Trey Lance is anything that they have to consider. I mean, I, cause here's my thing. Like, even if something was to happen to Dak Prescott, like Cooper Rush is the guy. I mean, he's shown you he can win games against good teams. This isn't something that you have to predict. Like he's shown you exactly what he can do. Like the idea of you getting to Trey Lance to be in any meaningful snaps, that's probably because your season became an absolute disaster and you lost way more games than you thought you were going to. Like, I think they're hoping that they don't have to play Trey Lance at all this season. And this is going to be just kind of like a red shirt, just learning year and kind of ramp him up with the offense. Like I don't really look at him as helping out, but I, I, I get why, you know, I mean, he was a former, you know, top five pick, but my expectation and everything that I've seen and been around and heard is that they're not expecting anything from Trey Lance this season. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uber Rush I mean, is a cockroach. Like, he will not die. So don't try. Like, this bit, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, in the most respectful way. Because I was going to say, like, if we're talking about just like giving someone a job because they're like, were drafted so high, like, where's Carson Wentz then? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you're just going off of skill and talent and what you saw out on a practice field or something like that, I mean, Will Greer would be the backup over Cooper Rush. Will Greer would probably show you more in that setting. But Cooper Rush has stepped into multiple big games over the last two years and won them. I mean, they're yeah. just he forced the hand like even when we were at training camp and you know there would be people ask me like hey, who how does it look between two i'm like it doesn't matter how it looks cooper rush has already shown you during the season what he can do that he's the backup it doesn't matter 
who has the better practice or anything like that. Like Cooper Rush is not losing this backup job. He's he's just shown you. And then also the fact of just like how good their defense is that if he has to step in for a game or two or or for a series or something like that, yeah. he's good enough to move the offense and basically really that, you know, in a way, like I, I think Brock Purdy's a good player and all, but like one of the key things Brock Purdy does is he doesn't turn the ball over. And when you have that dope defense and you have all those weapons, sometimes that's the best thing you can do is just don't make the bad play, you know? And that's one of the things for Cooper Rush, like you look at all the games he started, the only bad play, only game he made a bunch of bad plays was the Eagle game. That's the only one that, that he lost as a starter. The other yeah. five won, you know, because he was real solid, made the key plays when he needed to. So like, I don't yeah, see Trey Lance. ready to give him the offense, like completely. Yeah. I just don't see even Trey Lance getting up to the spot where he would be the backup. I'm sure the Cowboys would love to have Trey Lance battle Cooper Rush next year at training camp and like, see, Hey, where that goes. But again, like he's fighting an uphill battle because you're going to have a hey, Cooper Rush has played in NFL games and won them for us. So you're going to have to look, you're not going to be able to, yeah, you know what? Lance looked a little bit better. He's going to have to look a lot better for them to, to go in that direction. And also Cooper Rush does not cost you anything. So there's that. Is, is Brock Purdy a bus driver? Um, To a certain extent, but, uh, but he's he and maybe right now to a certain extent, but he continues to grow in that role. You know, I mean, there's times where early on in his career, you would have said that about Tom Brady. You know, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's Tom Brady, but there were times early on where it was like that Patriots team was loaded and they just needed, you know, certain games for Tom to make a handful of plays. And hey, Tom did. And but but if you think Tom Brady was the same person during the last five years of his career as he was the first five, then you just weren't watching. I mean, he just elevated his game the longer he played in the league. So but where he is right now, I mean, yeah, it would not surprise me at all if Brock Purdy is their guy and is their guy for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, but I'm not I'm not one of these people that all of a sudden just like, oh, look at how many games are winning, like Brock Purdy, like top, you know, five to eight quarter. Like, no, he's not that, but he could be one of these days. Yeah. He could I, I also want a sidebar, like, because I'm just the queen of derailing tonight. And you actually brought up <laughs> something that Boots on the ground, I've personally gotten to witness as someone who's, you know, occasionally been in the locker room, more so at Valley Ranch than I ever was at the, at the Star. But one of the things that I love about you and also like Todd Archer, but I think as a fan, it's important to start learning who the reporters and beat writers are that cover the team. Like, you're one of those that literally has every crazy tidbit possible that is like this amazing nugget of information. Like I swear, you know, like everything <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't, it would not surprise me to see you talking to a Trey Lance, right? Like yeah. if it was like a whole massive group huddled around Trey Lance, then I would be like, okay, like what's going on. <laughs> but it's definitely like the style of you to take into consideration the storylines, you know, the things that are up. I don't know. Like, I just feel like that's like, you're, you're so good at wrapping your arms around like the larger picture, but then breaking it down into some really interesting stories that maybe people wouldn't have thought about or, you know, could get left on the side that are actually really great pieces because they could also be like off the field content and things like that. And I don't know. I just think that's interesting. And obviously like Todd Archer is just like amazing. And yeah, he's, Breaking news king. <laughs> yeah. No, he's great. He's great. No, I appreciate you saying that. No, uh, yeah, Todd is Todd is great. We got a we got a really good group. I uh 
I'm um, not hating on Todd, but he was the one that asked the question that Dak got mad about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good question too. I mean, I, I have thoughts. I have, I have thoughts on that. I, I don't. I don't think that. I thought. I it surprised me that Dak took it that way because I'm so I, used to Dak fielding questions like that and just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, it, yeah, you know, blah blah blah, whatever. But yeah, I, I um, like that he got spicy. Not at Todd it specifically, obviously. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. No, I, if I was a Cowboys fan, I would. I would have liked that too because. There's a little bit part of it when you see that um, where you're kind of like uh, it just shows that how hungry he is for this, where he's at in his career. And, and you know, you you knock on the door the last two years and the last two years, you feel like you have a team that could have won it all and you don't even get to the NFC championship game like that fire is burning. And um, I went back because I wrote a story today just talking about how like this game will be decided. Uh, by the Cowboys offense and how just the different things that factor into that to the point where like if they were able to put together just that one a uh, one really good drive late in the game and somehow win the game because of that like Ezekiel Elliott might still be on the team I'm very confident Kellen Moore is still calling the plays they they win that game they find offensive plays late without Tony Pollard to win that game they get the NFC championship game for the first time in 27 years you think they're going to really part ways with Kellen Moore doubt that um so it's just like there's so many like little things like that, that, that factor in. And so I went back and I, I was like, I want to watch that press conference that Dak did after they lost to San Francisco in January and just how much he put that on himself and, and talked about how like, we're in this position again, you know, this isn't going to happen, whatever like that. Like you can tell that he feels it. And especially this game, this is such a um, measuring stick game for him for where he's at with this new offense, but also like where this team can go. And uh, he's not getting any younger. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like the chippiness, but uh, I did not think it was a bad question at all. I, I mean, it was entertaining. I just was surprised that uh, he took it uh, in that way. But he also had one uh, after the home game before that against the Jets where he was asked about the interceptions. And he got a little defensive about that, about like, well, how many did I have the year before? And how many did I have the year before that? And how many the year before that? It's and a good point. <laughs> it, it, no, it is. But at the same time, yeah. like last year was not good for him. You know, like, no. I mean, it was not a good season for him. So uh, you can tell that 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 bothers him. And that probably drove him a lot in the off season, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I think I've told you guys before, I mean, it's he's just such an easy guy to root for. Um, but the problem is that you're in a business where it's like people aren't paying to watch you or fans because they just want to see you play the game that you got to win, you know, and you got to win if you're the Cowboys you got to win at the highest level and, and unfairly or fairly, whatever it is, you know, he's also carrying some of the burden of the other, you know, 20 some years that he had nothing to do with, you know? So uh, it is interesting. I mean, I do think he, I still think he's the right guy for the job. I still think he's the right guy to be their franchise quarterback, but he also has to, for them to win a Super Bowl, like he's got to take his game to an, to another level. And I, I think it's pretty clear. He knows that. Drop the mic. Um, I'm fired up. <laughs> um, I just have one, one like writery question for you and you might've already answered it. So if that was it, then I love it for us, but what's your like favorite storyline going into this game? Is it just the like deck potential redemption arc, or do you have like another thing that's kind of getting you excited? Number one for me is Dak for sure. Uh, that will be the number one thing I'm focused on in this game is just how he plays and what the, I mean, red zone offense will be obviously huge because I think that they well they can't win the game if they if they keep executing the, in the end the red zone the way they have so far this season. So those two areas, but 
there is a part of me that would be interested in seeing like, can the defense be so dominant where they win the game without the offense playing great? I just don't think that that'll happen. Um, I thought the defense was, was pretty outstanding in, in, in January against them. I mean, yeah, there's Trayvon Diggs could have had that pick. There's a couple other plays, but I just, I, I just feel so confident. I know what this Cowboys defense is and I know that they'll show up. So it, that's kind of a distant thought for me. Whereas it is just really number one thing for me is Dak and how, how will he play? against this team that knows him so well that he, that, you know, that he knows very well and has been the team that has been in his way these last two years. So uh, there's been a lot of moving pieces, but he's the constant there, you know, Cal Moore is gone. Zeke's gone. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like you go Dak 2016 to Dak now. I mean, there's a lot of people he was really close with that are no longer on this team. You know I mean? It just every year he's, I mean, he was close to Mark Sanchez. You think about how close he was uh, with Zeke. Um, you know, he won't say this, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't think he was too thrilled that, you know, they moved on from Will Greer. I think he really, Will, Will Greer was a friend of his, you know, but that's the way this business is, especially if you're not winning Super Bowls, you know? So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how him and Mike McCarthy grow throughout the season, because while, yeah, it's great to have friends and be close with people. It's pretty clear that Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers weren't always like besties but they were able to win a lot of games and they were good year after year after year. And they won a super bowl. So it's like, Hey, if there's going to be some of those rough patches, so be it. Cause at the end of the day, everyone's going to be happy if, if you win, you know, and, and Dak and Mike McCarthy will certainly be at the top of that list. Boom. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first kids, Johnny <laughs> kids of all time. <laughs> we love you and appreciate you as always. I like your shirt, by the way. It looks like a home field shirt. Is it? Yeah, it's uh, no, it's just really old. I like to wear some old stuff over and over and over again. That, so, yeah, he's wearing a Detroit Tiger shirt, and that Tiger looks like he has seen some things. No, it's old. It's probably <laughs> it's probably a good 15, 20 years old. Yeah, like I'm not even joking. Yeah. That is like a traumatized Tiger. It's fantastic. I have, I have a Detroit Pistons shirt from when they won the championship in '89. That it's like, it just, it's gotten so old from washing so many times. So I, I don't wear it unless it's like a really big game and the Pistons have not played any big games in the last 10 years. So, uh, but it's like one of those things I'm like, I just don't want to get rid of it. I just want to hang on to this. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I mean, that was a good call on the home field thing. Cause that's like their entire motif is like old, yeah. like vintage stuff, but they, they need to get into the majors. Okay. I want to, I want a little, uh, I want a little Dallas Cowboys home field action. Come on. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder why. I, I mean, I, I don't wonder why. It's just I bet it's really hard to get the licensing with some of these oh, pro teams, you know, like it is with the college ones that you can get oh. away with that stuff. But like the Cowboys just have such a stranglehold on their gear, more so than anyone else. Like the having the rights and everything to it. That uh, I bet you like a home field. I mean, I don't know for for certain, but I would I would bet that like the percentage that they would have to pay the Cowboys. For that, they're probably like, yeah, it's yeah. not even worth it for us. Well, you know, we don't have to go in the pro shop at some point. But yeah. I will say, I have liked what they've done with. There's like a, two local brands. Obviously, we all know about true true brand that like upside down, yeah, um, hats and stuff like that. Bandanucci, Bandanucci. <laughs> but they also partnered with, um, uh, and I'm only talking about local ones because I liked the Tommy Hilfiger thing and I liked the like DKNY thing, but. 
they did a by way of Dallas, which is like a really exclusive like Instagram shop. And they like kind of like mass produce. It it looks sick. They're like, they have those like satin jackets that all the guys are wearing. Oh, dope. I want to look at that now. Sorry. I'm like out here shopping. I mean, (laughs) Yeah, we we just inspired Kelsey to go shopping right now. (laughs) I I always wonder if the Cowboys or whoever, like, you know, is in charge of the marketing or whatever branding uh, in terms of making gear is just like, how come none of us thought about just writing Dallas upside down? Just because you just see those hats (laughs) everywhere. Like, I mean, home games, row games, like, it's just, I mean... Really, to be honest, if you can just get the players to wear your gear during like a oh. press conference or something like that, people go nuts for it. And that certainly was great branding on, yeah. on True Brand's part to have Dak was wearing them all the time. And it was during, I remember during the pandemic, they would always get like all the players to wear them during their interviews. Yeah, that was great for them. For sure. I will say that if you guys ever shop like the, that, they did that or they've tried to like with like the side the NFL, like sideline series. So, um, they will take like what the equipment team is using for the year and they'll reproduce it in, you know, their fits and their manufacturers and all of that, if you will, for the masses. So it's like not a hundred percent the same shirt, but it's like very, very close. And they won't, they'll keep some sideline exclusives, but they'll take the concept of like what the players are wearing and give you like five styles. Right. And, you know, put them to their spec, but also, I will tell you, I don't know what the Cowboys, I do have a licensing agreement in my nine to five job with the Cowboys. I have to look at what the agreement is, but I can tell you a lot of the colleges are 15%. So it's like for a small, for, and you have to go through this like crazy process where depending on like how big the school is, you either submit, like you have to submit the mock of like whatever you're going to sell, like to the, to the school and they have to approve it. Or there's like an online system where you have to submit the artwork in like X kind of format and they run it through this approval system. And it could be like so tedious. It could be ridiculous. Like University of Texas, love them, hook them, Texas fight. My God, like, holy cow, <laughs> like so difficult. And yeah. but it makes sense. Like they're super, super strict about protecting their brand. But yeah, like um, a lot of colleges, I feel like you can expect like the 15% range. So like for a group, like a home field, here I go, like talking about sports business, like that could be, you know, that could be a lot of their margin, you know, depending. Yeah. There's just a part of like, I'll tie this into like covering sports. Like, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, Saad Youssef does Cowboys and stars and just like the difference between the access for like a reporter is just yeah. way different between the two. Cause let's be honest, they're not going to say it, but the truth is like the Cowboys really don't need you out there. You know, like they're going to get like, there's su- such a big brand. So that I think about the same thing with that type of, with the apparel stuff, like the university of Texas, Cowboys, Yankees, Lakers, like, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, we want a little percentage off something like that, but we're not going to just give it to anybody because we're going to print money on our own because we're such a big brand for what we are, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always kind of overwhelmed with the idea of it, but that, that true brand has really taken off. They've, and that started out very grassroots. It seems like, at least from what I know of it. So yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty cool. And then also- all the, all the players should probably wear their own gear to be honest with you. Like when oh. they do interviews and stuff like that, like, you know, like a T like Tom Brady should have been TV 12. Like if he would have had that idea, like early in his career and had been wearing that for like 20 years, like how much gear would have sold, you know, it's like, take, take the NBA model, you know? Yeah. It's like, 
yeah. Iverson wearing his gear. You know, it's obviously we all know Michael Jordan like wearing his gear. Like they yeah. should. They, it obviously works. You know. Yeah. And no, I know. But also, last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up about business. But like the <laughs> NFL, they only give X number of licenses like per like per team. So they they have to be like, or at least that's what I was. You know, when I was there, it was like you only have X number of licenses. So it's like very strict on like how many you offer out. Yeah. So. Anyway, so here, okay, here, we'll, we'll, I'll throw in one more business story for you real quick. Yes. Um, I am just fascinated by the turnover in like the restaurants and shops and stuff at the star like oh, yeah. that, the, the, what, whatever the leases are and whatever the rent is on, on that space must be so high that I mean, I they're just rotating that. through things. I mean, it is just like one thing after another. And it's like, they got out there in 2016 and it's like, there's few places that have been there that entire time, you know, it's just rotating off one place after another. So I know that that because, and obviously it's because there's also the cowboy brand is what you're buying into. You're putting your shop or, yeah. you know, your restaurant right by that, but it is interesting how much turnover has been there in a short period of time. So I'm sure the rent is very, very high. I will say as an official tenant. Yeah. Don't get yourself in trouble here. Yeah. I was like, I cannot give you my rent, but I can tell you like, it's so fascinating to look at they have a dedicated marketing manager for the star district mm -hmm. and it's literally that person's job like i get emails daily maybe uh, every other day and they are like what's like here's the upcoming events like they have events almost every single day oh yeah and they're yeah. like opt in like what are you doing like circling yeah. back. like hey just checking in are you gonna piss like it's like th they are like on it and that yeah. is one of the perks of, you know, trying to sign up for them. But I would also say, I think it's really interesting. If you guys go into the Star District and you look on the TVs, you will see these, they call them L brackets. And it's like a, it's like a digital border that's on the screen. And there is advertising for, if you buy a sponsorship with the Cowboys, you can also add on a sponsorship with the Star and you'll get some of those advertising rights. It's just, it's like, it's crazy marketing that, has never really been done before. And then you'll see a lot of these like motifs that are Cowboys inspired, which was important to Charlotte, you know, Jones, yeah. like you walk into the pizza place and like the pizza oven is a Cowboys helmet or, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. But I, before I was a tenant and like, I don't know this from my nine to five job. I do. I did hear like, you know, obviously like location of where your store is could totally yeah. be impactful. And, you know, I think you could probably look and see what stores have turned faster than others and based on their location make your own inferences on why that is and yeah i think it's just it's definitely yeah, i'm not going to name them but there's been some big companies there oh, big yeah. restaurant companies and stuff that are already out you know so it is it has been interesting and it's a model that you're seeing taken by like the texas live and you'll see like la yeah. live Kansas City Live and like I do the love that though I'll be honest with you I'm a huge fan me and my brother talk all the time like Texas like with the Cowboys playing the Lions that night before New Year's Eve I have like a bunch of friends coming down you know the Lions fans and stuff like that and that's a game that they talked about oh it could be flexed out whatever you know Saturday night game so it's the night before New Year's Eve and I'm like just don't flex that out because I want my friends to be able to be at Texas Live all day and then go to the night game you know hey. and just have that whole experience like that because I've just I've been to so many events at AT&T Stadium before Texas Live, and it's such a game changer for that because oh. there's like not a lot to do, you know. It just, no, it's it's a great it's a great thing for 
before games, if it's a late game, and then after games, if it's, let's say, it's a noon game or something, somewhere to go watch the rest of the games. There's a lot of, you know, you can be outside. Usually the weather's decent. Oh, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's huge. Um, the one in, uh, the one in Philly is great too, just because they have all their stadiums are right in that, you know, in that centralized location. So you always have something going on around there. And then, like you said, LA Live too, for sure. But yeah, I mean, the Spurs are doing it too. They're, they're oh, are they? I th- yeah, I think I saw that um, on LinkedIn like a couple weeks ago, like Entertainment District. Like, I think Nashville might be doing it. I, you know, it's just like it is a thing. Yeah, with that new stadium, you got to. I know, yeah. and like I will say, like credit to the Cowboys and the Jones families for. I don't know, you know, what they're token on to get them to dream big, but like, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And they just are like daring enough to be like, F it. Like, yeah, anyone can do it. Like, let's try it. And yeah, it's, it's like, they're kind of on the first people. It seems like they're some of the first people to try these concepts. And then you see these other, you know, larger conglomerates come in, like replicate it, if you will. I don't think and to me, the craziest thing about all of it is that it keeps growing and the the brand keeps growing and all this stuff is so successful and they haven't won a championship in 27 years. So it just makes you think like if they won big, like even just like, I shouldn't say just one, it's obviously tough to win a Super Bowl, but if they were to win a Super Bowl, like how much crazier that could take everything, you know, because you talk about the only thing that's comparable to the, the Cowboys brand to me are, is like the Yankees and Lakers. And I still don't even think either of those brands are on that level, but they've at least won championships, you know, within the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Like for the Cowboys not to have won a championship in that long and then the brand to continue to keep growing on the level that it is, it just makes me wonder, like, what if they were the Cowboys of the 90s with all of this branding behind it now? How crazy it was if they were like, you know, the team of the decade, you know, of the of the 2020s, like how where where it could go and how much bigger it would be. But uh, yeah, they're obviously printing money over there. Yeah, I could talk about, as all of you know, that have been listening for a minute, I could talk about. <laughs> all day on the business of things it's fascinating but yeah. nonetheless credit to them for all the things that they've done but and credit to you my friend for continuing to be the real mvp um figure out you just let us let us know like text me again because i've already forgotten your walkout song um no I, no don't worry about it because <laughs> yeah, like you know i i don't edit this show but i would for you so if you ever okay mine, you just let me know okay okay um, but- well you play some Eminem, lose yourself okay mom spaghetti exactly uh uh, as if people don't know where to find you just go ahead and reiterate it please and thank you yeah yeah uh i write for the athletic it's a uh sports writing website um no uh yeah just follow me on twitter at jamashota j-o-n-m-a-c-h-o-t-a no actually though i'll pub you real quickly it's actually really good and really important um that you do follow john but more so when you subscribe via John, it makes him look really good to his bosses and John deserves all the praise in the world. So you should just go ahead and do it. Like, I just feel like they are always offering these insane deals where it's like, you know, a year subscription for a dollar a month or something ridiculous. And I just feel like give, give back to the person that's given so much to you. And I would challenge you to go ahead and subscribe the end that's my i appreciate that i will i will say that there are some uh todd archers told me before we always joke around about the don't ever read the comments and there's there's always some people that'll be negative about like certain things about you know 
whatever. And I always just think I'm like, it's a dollar to subscribe or, you know, or like, yeah. Okay. So, so even if like this didn't touch on this or this, it's like, but then I, there's all this stuff on Twitter, you know, like, come on, like it's a dollar. It's not that big of a deal. We can do it here. When, you're throwing a dollar at some random uh, fast food place here at when they throw the tip thing in you front of you. You paid a dollar 75 to add cold foam to your drink. Okay. Right. right. Like I just help me out here. Hook me up here. Just like subscribe. It. Check it out. <laughs> You'll like it. I promise you. Promise. Pinky promise. Yeah. All right, guys. Follow Don is better than cold foam. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's nice. I mean, debatable, but I would still give you my dollar that I would use okay. something else. I'll take it. How about that? I won't I'll top off it. my gas tank for you, John Mishota. That's a fact. All right, guys. I'm going to stop talking now. I need to go to sleep. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, please follow and subscribe to The Athletic and go hang out with John Mishota on Twitter. He's fantastic, as you all very well know. Um, hang out with Megan and I, too. I'm on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. I'm also on Instagram at Hey Kelsey Charles. And Megan is. I'm at Meg Murray with four R's on everything. Um, and I'm going to ask Meg to lead you guys off with the words you need to know. But I'm going to give you a hint. Um, I got two things. I got, I'm going to give you a hint. We are going to have more things you can wear with the next saying that Megan is going to give you and leave you with coming soon. So keep posted, watch our Twitters, watch our accounts, all of the things. And the last thing I'll say is I really greatly appreciate you guys. I did ask for some prayers this past week for my boyfriend's mom. And I really believe that you all um, have helped in that process. And so just thank you again. But um, on a high note, most importantly, Megan, leave the good people with what they need to know. Dallas forever, Philly for absolutely never. Amen. Bye, guys.